Every day is deals day, and today we struck gold with the biggest deal of all. This week, we welcome New York Times best-selling author Mateo Ascarapur to talk about his debut novel, Black Buck. After two prior attempts to sell manuscripts, Ascarapur found that his passion for storytelling would eventually mesh his imagination and real-life experience in the tech startup world. Black Buck introduces us to a young man named Darren, who finds himself in the seat of opportunity. But this seat disguised as success soon becomes quicksand filled with microaggression, racism, and soon regret. I'm Denny. And I'm Veronica. Stay with us as we speak with Mateo Ascarapur on this episode of Vulgar Genius' podcast. Are you currently looking for a bookstore that has a great selection of books? Well, Kizzy's Books and More is that bookstore. Visit www.kizzy'sbooksandmore.com to purchase your next book for our book club. Use coupon code VULGARGENIUS to receive 10% off the subtotal of your first order. Hello to this wonderful night, day, whatever it is in in your in your country, your place. Neck of woods. Yeah, negative woods. So we're your your go, your guests, your ghosts, not your ghosts. We're not dead, <laughs> but we we are your guests. I am Veronica, joined with the lovely Denny, and we have a very special guest with us today. Who is it? It is Mateo. Mateo Asperpore. We are so glad to have you here, sir. So happy um, to be here. Finally, vulgar geniuses. Let's go. Yes. We've been, we've been stalking you like crazy, and we're just so happy that you appreciate could it. join us tonight. Um, so, yeah, we are here to talk about your book, Black Buck, mm-hmm. which is just the coolest, coolest. Look at this. Oh, you All got these... it from Greenlight? Yeah. Yes. We had to get that oh, autograph. I could tell. <laughs> yes. See, look at that. We had to have the official right. autograph. Um, yeah, so let's let's go ahead and just jump into this. Uh, for those who are joining us and have yet to pick up uh, Black Book, we want to let you all know that this book is amazing and the author is just as amazing as the book. He was a 2018 Rhode Island Writers Colony writer in residence and his writing has appeared in Entrepreneur, Lit Hub, Catapult, medium and elsewhere um black buck is his debut novel and he currently lives in brooklyn so um again welcome to the show thank you for having me so if you're living under a rock this is mateo he's been everywhere literally (laughs) and he is doing the most and we're here for it yes yes thank you so i'm gonna let you uh so i'm gonna start this um so before um, before I even got the advanced copy of your book, um, I just switched jobs. And mm. when I was hired, I was I really really when I like walk into those double doors, I'm like I realize like um, we need some melanin up in this bitch because oh, yeah. I'm like I'm by myself, I have nobody to talk to. And but... then when we interviewed the lovely Miss Disha Filia, she was like. Oh, you know, one of the books that I'm most excited about is Black Buck. So I was like, who is this? What is happening? And then that's when I started reading it. And it just, it was so validating that you have the same feelings about how it is to be like in that corporate world, whether it is sales, IT, like, you know, the medical field, that we are outnumbered and we need, we we need, we need more of our, we need more of our Mm -hmm. people. So I just felt like, you know, I was kind of like doing the same thing. I was like, happy camper. So happy camp, happy camper is really like close to my heart because I started like that place was still hiring. So I'm like, you know what? Let me, let me bring my people in. So literally I was, I was literally doing that. So it was, it was just, it was so nice. And then when I read, when I read your book, I was like, oh my gosh, they're doing the same thing. So I I just want to share that little bit of my life. (laughs) No, I mean, thank you so much for the context and knowing that there's a real personal connection. Shout out to Disha as well. Um, Disha, I feel like, is part of a cohort, um, an unofficial cohort of authors who love you all and the work that you do in terms of bookstagrammers, right? Um, 
shout out to people like Kiese Lehman, Robert Jones, just a, a bunch of us Amen. are so grateful for the work that you're doing. So thank you to Disha for putting my book on your radar. And I'm just happy that it resonated with you. Yes, very much so. Yeah. So speaking of, you know, all the names that you just dropped in, in, in their books and, and mm-hmm. your book in general, um, it leads us to question publishing. So yes. publishing as a whole, it's a white dominated field. Um, so we wanted to know if there was like one thing that you could shift within the publishing company, what would it be and how would you want to see that change implemented? That's a great question. I've never been asked it. If I could shift one thing in publishing or in a publishing company, it would be to have more um, editors of color, Mm. black and brown editors, um, because those are the people who are acquiring books. And it's not just on them, you know, for, for the listeners who don't know, even if an editor wants a book, they have to go to an acquisitions board and sell other people marketing publicity sales they go over the PL, right the profit and loss and are we actually going to make money on this book because at the end of the day or at the beginning of the day publishing is a business so i believe and and i'm confident in the fact that if we have and when we have more black and brown editors there'll be more people who see themselves reflected in the stories that are being submitted to them by agents on behalf of their writers and they'll say, I want these stories. And they're not going to be giving the typical responses of, eh, I just didn't feel it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I just really couldn't relate. Yeah. So that's one thing I change. I, I just saw recently that the New York magazine just put out um, an article about like people of color coming into this world, more mm-hmm. pro- having more prominent roles, such as like the comedian Phoebe Robinson. She has her oh, yeah. print now. Any and reparations. Then, like, yeah. And then Lisa Lucas, who's at um, Pantheon. Yeah. Yep. So what was like the, the publishing process for you of like the entire writing of the book i know you you mentioned like them having to figure out how much money that they would gain and loss but like you finding your way into publishing having your book picked up what was that like for you fortunately it was a great experience um my agent submitted um to a good amount of people she she didn't just throw it out to dozens but she had a curated list based on people that she she knows um, fortunately she was in the industry as an editor for 20 years. Mm. And that's one reason why I went with her. She, she knows the who's who of editors and she has this intuitive sense of what will resonate. So she sent my book out to a bunch of people and it's not like everyone said, Oh my God, this is what I was waiting for. No, there were rejections, um, just like many works, but then there were, there were a good amount of people that were very interested and we started setting up phone calls and my first call was with a woman named Pilar Garcia Brown, who ended up becoming my editor. And in that first call with her, I just knew that there was an extreme amount of enthusiasm and real interest and the intention to publish this in the right way uh, from her and the publisher, uh, Houghton Mifflin Harcourt, HMH. And I also knew that she wasn't going to mess the book up. We discussed edits. And I was very careful to, to, or I I was very... um, not critical, but I was paying attention to what she said in terms of what she wanted to change or wanted to help me change and so forth. Because I said, okay, if we get to the point where we're actually making edits and then all of a sudden I'm hearing different things, then I'll know this was a bait and switch and I can't really trust um, this editor. But it wasn't like that whatsoever. Everything she brought up um, was only to help my own intentions shine. She wasn't looking to make the book hers. She wasn't looking looking to make the book into something that it wasn't, even though this book is hers. This book is my agents. This book is my publicist and my marketers and so forth. Um, after I sold the book, you know, this book is also yours. You're holding it. You're reading it. And that's what I want. I don't want it to just be mine. Um, so, so the process has been great. It's, it was very thorough. Mm-hmm. There were, uh, just a couple edits, a couple rounds of editing, about three, but then you go to copy editing, which is extremely thorough. And then you have to look at first pass pages to look at proofreading. And then it goes to someone else to make sure that they, they catch inconsistencies and so forth. So it uh, it's not simple in one, two, three. And that's why it often takes so long for a book to come out after you sell it to a, a publisher. 
Did you ever have like anything that they had to like fact check? Like, you know, oh, we got to make sure that this song is the exact, you know, title that you put into the book. Was well, there ever anything in there? In terms of songs, I had song lyrics in that first. Mm -hmm. And I believe that before we ever even submitted to an editor, my agent said that it would be difficult and expensive to actually get sign off from the artist. So it, it, you're better off on taking these lyrics out. And I said, mm, yeah, okay. Like I'm not, I, I wasn't married to the lyrics and I was still able to put the song title and the artist in there. So for anyone who has heard those songs, they would get the vibe exactly. at that point in the story. Um, in terms of other fact checking, I had to submit a legal questionnaire uh, for certain things, just so a group of lawyers would know what was what. Um, but also, this is a work of fiction, so yes. that uh, indemnifies or, or protects you um, from certain things. And my copy editor, he was meticulous. I would work with him 100 out of 100 times. He was going through every line and checking through Google Maps or looking up different Ooh. stores that I mentioned saying, hey, what about this store? I'm looking at Google Maps and it's not on this block that you mentioned. And the book is so real. So, of course, he wanted to, to see. And I say, listen, his name is David. I said, David, I actually made this store up. I put this store in this place for a certain reason. <laughs> you know, um, or he was so thorough. Have, where, where do you both live? Orlando, Florida. OK, so you're not familiar with Brooklyn then? tiny tiny bit but not okay. as far you as like what, where things are you know what are. crown fried chicken is no i don't eat meat okay me neither i'm a vegetarian <laughs> so uh crown fried chicken is a place that sells chicken wings but also hamburgers and pizza and so forth and i mentioned that uh in the beginning that darren would get a slice from crown fried chicken and david the copy editor was like hey i looked it up and i don't think this crown fried chicken sells pizza I was like, nah, like, even though it might not announce it on Google or whatever, they definitely sell pizza. They, they, they sell it all, man. They probably sell a lot of tickets now, too. I don't know. So, so the point is, is that um, there were different people at different points of the process that were proofreading or fact-checking certain things, whether they always brought it up to me or not, um, may have not been the case. But people were definitely watching my back. And when it came to the Arabic, for example, mm -hmm. um, I studied a bit of Arabic when I was abroad at one point. Um, but I am not a native Arabic speaker. So I said, okay, let me not really get caught out here, you know, looking stupid or disrespectful. So I had two native Arab speakers uh, review the Arabic that I put in there um, and they were a help. So, yeah. That's what's up. Um, so you, you, you mentioned the collective Disha and, and Kiese and all. There's people I'm missing, but those are just some that, you know, are, are live right now and active. Right, right. Yes. So um, recently I had, um, I, I saw a discussion between uh, Jason Reynolds and a bookstagrammer named uh, Crystal Forte, who yep. goes by a melanated reader on, on mm -hmm. IG. Um, when he was talking to her, he spoke about when he was getting ready to release his first book, he had uh, run into Kiese at a, um, at a oh, barbershop. Oh, okay, barbershop. I, I, I know the story. And and he asked for for him to write a, a blurb. And so yeah. when he said he had gotten the blurb, the blurb was like this long because he had never written a blurb before. This was the first time. Yeah. And um, like how uh, Denny had mentioned earlier about how like Disha informed us of who you were. Mm -hmm. um, it opened up this entire world of authors that either we had heard of or not had heard of and uh, get, made us more curious about them. And um, it almost is as if what we're, what we are seeing now that's happening, especially on Instagram is kind of like of a, a green book situation for, mm. for writers. Mm. And so mm -hmm. what is it to be in this network of people who are striving to be like the gate holders instead of the gatekeepers? It is incredible. And there are all of these connections that um, could be invisible or unknown to um, people who are either interacting with us or reading our books, but can sometimes still be felt, right? Jason Reynolds played a pivotal role in my career. Jason's a friend of mine. 
Um, he is the artistic director of the Rhode Island Writers Colony. Mm. And I was there for two weeks and he gave me so much game that re-engineered my mind to this whole industry. I didn't have an agent when I was there. I was working on the second draft of Black Buck in July, 2018. And he was just a source of guidance for me um, that that's a connection out there, right? Kiese Lehman, when I look at Kiese, I am just continually inspired by the way he handles himself and by his dedication to us and our stories. I sometimes say that he is the Muhammad Ali of the literary industry. And while him and I aren't talking, you know, all the time, he gave me some love for Black Buck recently. Um, I'm continually inspired by him. So you sort of know who your people are and who your tribe is, even if you're not talking to them on like a friend, friend level all the time. Mm -hmm. So to answer your question, you know, directly, Veronica, um, what a time to be alive. What a time to be a reader. What a time to yes. be a writer or a creator in general, especially uh, a creator of color and a, and a black and brown creator. There is so much support, so much community. And it's not like you don't have the errant hater or someone side-eyeing you or you feel like, you know, someone feels some type of way about how you move. But that is a blip. It's just overwhelmingly positive, at least for me. Yes. Maybe someone else has a different experience. It sounds like it's been very positive for Deisha as well. Robert mm -hmm. Jones Jr. You know, um, I know Jason can definitely tell you some stories. Kiese can tell stories and he's written about them, mm -hmm. about, about unsavory people that he's met on his journey. But he still hasn't been, at least to my perception, hasn't been jaded to the point of not wanting to help hold the door open, as you said, right? And be, be a gate holder. So, I'm eternally grateful. I'm eternally grateful for just the community and not even just the authors, but you and, and the people doing work like you. Yeah. Speaking of being a gay holder, we have our young adult book of the month too. And because, because of you, we discovered him. Um, Kosoko Jackson. Kosoko Jackson. Yesterday's yes. history. Yeah. So, yes. and when we told him that he, he was so, he was so happy and you know, he 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 is also doing the same thing for other people. So it's just really nice to see like all the love is is very apparent and it's palpable. Yeah, yeah, Kasoko, shout out to him. He's someone who, you know, he has my phone number, I has I have his and we just support each other. It's it's beautiful. That's yeah. what's up. And you also opened the door for us to get to um Sasha Banks. Um, oh, so, yes, Sasha. 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 So we're going to be she... speaking to her soon. So we're really gonna... yes. Yeah. Did you read America <laughs> Mine? Said it Did again. Did you read that America Mine? Yeah, it just oh. came in the mail for us today. So I, yeah. I've been on YouTube. I looked up all the videos I could find of her doing poetry because she blew us yeah. away that night that you were speaking to oh, um, yeah. Jay Ellis. Yeah, and she was on, and I was Speechless. just like, we gotta, we gotta find her. So. That's the tip of the iceberg. When you read it, you're going to be like, yeah, we thought Black Buck was wild. Sasha is putting out fire. And not only that, but if you were at the event, then you already know she makes a mean peach cobbler. So you can oh. ask her about that, too. <laughs> ah, <laughs> yes. I love her so much. For sure. <laughs> yes. So um, going back to Black Buck, sometimes people see it as an exaggeration of, of reality. Um, mm. you know, mostly by people that don't look like us. Yes. Um, but the word opportunity is really mentioned in the book, um, you know, from Darren's mom, um, Soraya, and even Wally Cat. Um, and Darren always talked about that he was just waiting for the right opportunity. Now, we all know that being a person of color, that opportunity mm -hmm. is not always handed to us, um, you know, to you and me. Um, mm -hmm. not like, you know, people that are directly, you know, not like other people that directly benefit from them, um, or directly sure. benefit from the system. So my, like our question is like, how, how do you, um, like, I guess, how do you combat that? Like as a person of color, like how do you try to develop those connections and how do you, how do you overcome that? Um, so you can, you can have that opportunity for yourself grab it and maybe share it share it to other people yeah well it just really depends on how you're built there are some people who understand exactly what you're saying denny that opportunities aren't dispensed to us 
at the frequency as it would be for a white person, mm -hmm. just due to the fact that, you know, they might have connections um, because of, of whatever have you or, or a specific industry is more amenable um, to them because they more so fit the mainstream at, or at least looks wise, right? Um, so people who have that, that thought of mine, you know, people of color might say, I'm not going to wait for an opportunity. I'm going to make mine. And what does that mean? That means them reaching out to 50 people a day. That means them in a pre-COVID world going to networking events. That means them, like me, going to readings and trying to connect with authors. I would wait at, for, for the whole line to pass at the end of a reading and ask for five or 10 minutes of an author's time. And three-fourths of the time, I got it. And I didn't always make a connection with that author, but at least I got some gems and I got to give them some praise. And in best case scenarios, um, I became cool with people, you know, like Morgan mm -hmm. Jerkins, but I also wasn't um, doing it, it transactionally. Mm -hmm. I was just looking to, to, to get some, to get some energy and to give them some praise. And that was that I wasn't like, help me get a book deal or anything yeah. like that, you know? Um, so there are people that are looking to create their own opportunities and not waiting for it. Then there are others like we see with Darren who are living their, living their life and they feel successful and there's nothing wrong with that. Sure. And then another opportunity comes and they take it and there aren't always disastrous consequences as there are in, in Darren's case. But some people like Darren eventually gets to say, okay, I realize that there aren't a lot of people like me getting the same type of opportunity. Let me create opportunities for other people. Um, but then at the end of the day, sometimes you get that opportunity and you take it and it's working out and you don't want to help other people who look like you. Sure. And honestly, I can't judge that or blame those, those people because sometimes it's just so hard to exist and yes. be you yes. and especially be a person of color. And I'm not saying <laughs> that it's just doom and gloom. And as you probably heard me say, tragedy and trauma to be a person of color, mm -hmm. there's so much triumph, yes. life, happiness innovation yes but the fact is that sometimes you are just tired oh yeah i'm Exhausting. sure many of us were more tired from this summer than someone who doesn't look like us Whew. you know yes. it's just yeah that might be a matter of opinion but it sounds very factual to me yes it's um so it's not it's not my my place to judge what someone does when they get an opportunity. But the point of what I'm saying is that it comes down to an individual and their intentions. Um, I am someone, and I believe you two might be the same, who believes like Toni Morrison said that if you have power, then it's your responsibility to empower someone else. Amen. Yes. Amen to that. Um, yeah. So let us start really talking about the book because I know okay, we were talking then. about the book in a deeper way and what it yeah. is that the process of you getting your book published but mm -hmm. um so let's talk about the characters and you know we 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 if you've read the book we all know about Darren slash Buck um mm -hmm. but I think for us we were we were more invested in the other characters within the novel as well um so you've created uh, the people around him where the reader can find themselves truly invested in their personal stories. Why was it important to create people that not only, not only added to Darren's story, but to the story of themselves? Well, I wanted them to be more than characters. I wanted them to be real people that you could almost hear. Mm -hmm. yeah. Or you could, you could get the smell of their cologne. <laughs> you could almost reach out and touch them. Someone like Jason, someone like Soraya, someone like Rose, especially, right? Rose. Yeah, Rose. That's my middle name. So I really, am, yes, my name my is mother's Rose. middle name is uh, Rose Marie. Oh, so, um, shout out to the roses of the world. Yes. Um, but great. yeah, I wanted these characters to just feel so real because I felt as though people who read the book could look at a rose, could look at a Wally cat, could look like a look at a Ma or a Soraya or a Jason say, I know them. Yes. This might be my partner. This might be my brother. This might be my uncle. This might be my grandfather, or this could be my neighbor and so forth. So I wanted to do them justice as individuals and not just make them these two dimensional paper characters to serve Darren. Mm -hmm. Darren holds the narrative on his own so much because it's told from first person mm -hmm. and because, excuse me, it's all filtered from his point of view and there's so much going on with him him already if it was just the darren show 24 7 i think it'd be too much and i don't think it'd be that interesting right true. all these other people add to the narrative in such a fun way where 
I know for many readers, they're not rocking with Darren for a large portion of the book because <laughs> of how he, he turns into Buck and he makes all of these bad choices. Mm -hmm. So I wanted readers to be invested, like you were saying, Veronica, in all of these other people and to still remember that initial iteration of a good Darren. Yes. Mm -hmm. To know that who he's changing into isn't who he was before and holding out some hope that he would either go back to the better parts of himself or find out new ways to be better moving forward. Um, so, so that's why I included those characters because I wanted to create a real world and a real world isn't just full of one person, yeah. you know? Yeah. And to me, that was really effective. Like I, I, I loved it. I love that, you know, that the story revolves around so many people that that's why I think this book is really great. And people are like picking it up and be like, oh yeah, I can see myself in one of these. Mm -hmm. mm. So, um, speaking of one of these. Wally Cat. So okay. so Wally Cat gives like a, an appearance of being like of an oracle who foreshadows a lot of the of the bad karma Darren yes. finds himself in. Um we don't really know much about of about this Wally Cat. Um mm -hmm. but you know just a little bit snippet for mostly for me. A little backstory for 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 Wally Cat. I just I just wanted to know what fights triumphs and losses that this this wally cat have done because he has like all like this love saying his name yes <laughs> i the, can tell yes the little nuggets of wisdom he Listen, has it's 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 in the book and it's funny because people have been asking like will there be a prequel and a prequel could focus on wally cat i'm like you know what that would be interesting um you know wally cat uh grew up in a rural area um and he was he was taking care of animals and, and watching them and got to know them and then he he flipped those observations into watching horses at the racetrack i'm just spitting what's what's in the book a little mm -hmm. bit right and for me it's interesting as well um and then when he was making money from there he said okay how can i uh leverage this money and get you know even more for myself attain some financial freedom and it's funny because as i'm speaking this i'm seeing parallels between what darren eventually does and 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 one meaning of black buck you know uh yes. um shortening or decreasing the wealth inequality gap for mm -hmm. black and brown folk so wally cat um goes to these organizations and gets in with the janitors who people would perceive yeah. as the lowest of the low when he values them and their information and they give him information on these employees at these companies uh that he can then leverage and, and bet on them via the stock market wally cat um he was someone who on the face people who have been in a predominantly black or even just you know more broader urban environment um could say okay i've seen this type of person mm -hmm. the dude on the corner you know, with the crate turned upside down, just chilling. Maybe they're playing dominoes, right? Maybe they're not black. Maybe they're they're <laughs> they're Latinx or, or so forth. Um, but we know this type of individual. Um, and if the reader were to hold on to this and say, oh, this is sort of like a stereotype, then we subvert it because Wally Cat's a low-key millionaire. Yes. And he's owning property. And as you were saying, Denny, he has all of these um these foreshadowings and and um, lessons for Darren that Darren doesn't really heed. Mm -hmm. And Wally Cat can only say so much to him because Wally Cat isn't his father. Um, so that's just a little bit on Wally Cat. For me, he was really fun to write. Um, he is different than Mr. Rawlings. He serves a different purpose mm -hmm. in terms of, you know, Darren's life and in terms of just who he is as a person. Um, in your... You're, you had an interview yesterday with uh, Allison Stewart. Mm -hmm. And uh, she asked you if you had known anyone personally that was similar to Darren. And, and you replied that you look at that person every day in, in the yeah. mirror, right? And and that place you refer to as the sunken place. Um, and then in your 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 weekly live that you did for February, which I, I really hope that you continue. I know yes. you said it might become bi-weekly, but whatever we'll take it. Me too. I love it. But Thank in your you. in your live today, you um you spoke about someone asking you about how to be able how were you able to distinguish between what was happening to Darren as either um, a microaggression or it being crime. a hate crime. And so we were wondering like if you were if you were 
to put yourself in Darren's shoes and walking into someone being the person that you were some years ago, at what point in the novel do you think you would have walked away from someone? I wouldn't have. Mm. Like if, if, you know, speaking about my former self, I wouldn't have. I think I, I would have looked at it in the same way that Darren did in terms of it just being a challenge mm -hmm. and it being something that I can withstand and trying to keep the bigger picture in mind. Um, for Darren, though, I don't he doesn't he doesn't realize what the bigger picture is until the end that he was chasing freedom the whole time. He's more so looking at a smaller part of the canvas saying that I want to prove to these people that I belong here. I want to prove to my mom that I can live into my potential and to my girlfriend Soraya and, and that, that I'm cut out for this. And because he isn't really privy to the bigger picture, he gets lost in it and gets lost in everything that's going on and loses himself because he doesn't know where he fits in to all of it. Um, for me, I also got lost in that, in that um, aspect in that, I was thinking that I was changing the world in a way that I actually wasn't through working at the company that I did. And make no mistake, it wasn't all bad. Mm -hmm. It's hard for me to quantify the pros versus the cons, but there were definitely pros mm -hmm. and there were definitely cons, you know, me not speaking with my family. Um, and it wasn't like I, was, I wasn't speaking with them, but me screening my mother's calls when I thought I was too busy, me living an hour or an hour and 10 minutes away from my family's home and only seeing them once every four or five months, which is just, you know, sort of ridiculous. Mm -hmm. um, me and my relationship with my, my uh, former partner, my ex-girlfriend, and that being strenuous because I cared so much more about the company that I was working at and the people there. So asking that question, Veronica, I wouldn't have left. I would have become lost like I did and like what happens to Darren, or I would have said, okay, I understand that, that what's going on here isn't right. Mm -hmm. You know, um, if I was able to be that self where I'd say something is amiss, something mm -hmm. isn't, isn't right here. However, I am here to learn what I can to then help my community get further and create something that can really push the envelope for other people and change their lives as well. I don't think that I would have walked away though. It's not really in my nature to walk away. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You see it all the way through. And it's not always it's not always for the best. Sometimes you do need to cut your losses. Like where I am now in my life, I I prioritize emotional health and mm -hmm. mental health and physical health over the hustle, yeah. over the grind. Family for me comes number one. Years ago, if you were to ask me, I'd say, yeah, family is maybe two or three, but I'm, I'm about this, I'm about this, you know, success grind right now. Um, so, so yeah, it's just, it's really hard to say, you know, maybe even today with who I am, I would have left a lot earlier because it just wasn't healthy for Darren. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I would have dipped out with that paint. When that painting came on, I'm going to be like, Day bow, one. bow, yeah. bow, bow, I'm bounce, bye. You lost me. I don't care what, what you about say. about you, Veronica? I probably would have been um, the dude who threw up. That oh, yeah. White guy number one. I would have been out. I'm like, no, the pressure, the pressure is too much. I got to call yeah. my mama and call and cry on the phone. Like, <laughs> yeah. No, it would have been the paint for me. Like, I can, I can, I can do, like, if you talk to me, because I deal with that, like, daily with, like, patients. Like, they can, mm. they, I, de I deal with microaggressions a lot. Yeah. So, um, you know, being a, a nurse, female, Asian, that's like yeah. a lot. Mm. So, but if you touch me, we're done. We're uh, done. You're going to, yeah. you're, you're going to see somebody else. <laughs> uh, that's the truth. <laughs> um, what advice would you offer to the Jasons of the world? Ooh, Jason. Like who would find themselves feeling trapped because of their financial situations? And then what advice would you give to those who find themselves on the opposite end of Jason? Mm. So is there someone in the narrative who's, who's opposite to Jason, would you say? Anybody who has the wealth and can, and if, and if they wanted to choose to help someone like Jason. Yes, yes. So to the Jasons of the world, I would say, First off, understand that you're valuable yes. beyond how much money you have in your pocket. You are valuable just because you're a human. You don't need to be making six figures. You don't need a college degree. 
You don't need all of these other trappings. You are valuable because you are here. Number one. Um, number two, ask for help. Mm. And it's okay to ask for help. And if you don't know who to ask for help, take a risk and understand that you taking that risk might not result in that person helping you try not to get jaded, ask for help again, push yourself. And I believe that you will receive it and that it will help you um, in whatever ways you need to be helped. Sometimes people just need someone to talk to. Sometimes people do need a piece of advice that will help them materially get a job, you know, get ahead in some way, put food on their table. Um, But definitely ask for help. Um, And I like threes. So I'll say, understand that failure is just a means to an end true true. and we're all going to make mistakes in terms of the people veronica that you mentioned who could be jason's opposite um i will not say it is your duty or responsibility to help other people but um understand that however you attained whatever you have whether it's a great family whether it is a big bank account a secure job um good health you did not attain it on your own or of your own volition you come from somewhere and the way that you were nurtured most likely has played a role in where you are um and you might have unseen privilege i don't know you Mm -hmm. but you might have privileges that have got you to where you are as well so um understand that if you do help other people get ahead you shouldn't receive a pat on the back for it right you're just paying it forward yeah um, I know Denny had a, a question that has been burning within her about chapter 28. Yes, I was, because, you know, um, I was minding my own business reading this book. And then Mateo in chapter 28, line 13, said that Darren was in Lincoln Correctional Facility. I almost, like, threw up. I was so mad. I almost mm. was like... I almost seized. Why did you choose to end this story this way? Mm, you're one of those. Yes. <laughs> I'm Ooh. one of many, sir. I'm well, one of many. Well, shout out to the fact that Lincoln Correctional Facility has since been shut down. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I wanted the book to end in a way that was just as, I guess, complimentary to how large the book had been Mm. and it could have ended in so many different ways let's say if if darren and soraya and i think i mentioned this last night maybe um if darren and soraya just had a child and they were leading the happy campers that wouldn't really feel realistic Mm -hmm. you know darren made bad choices and hurt people Mm -hmm. and he was on the path to redemption i believe that we should all be given the bend for the doubt Mm -hmm. I'm very much so a proponent of that. However, you can't always um, control how your past actions will come back. So what happens with the end of ending up in the Lincoln Correctional Facility through the machinations of Trey with the help Mm -hmm. of Clyde felt justified, Mm -hmm. right? Darren, in one of the most emotional and hardest parts of the book to read and for me to write when he kicked and this is a spoiler alert when he kicks out mr rawlings that has far-reaching consequences mr rawlings dies Mm -hmm. yes Mm -hmm. i don't think and i mean denny you're you're a nurse i don't think mr rawlings would have died as quickly if he was just able to still live in this house have his ladybugs have his vegetables in the back (laughs) yeah He, he was put under so much stress So um, I'm not here to say that Darren ending up in prison was right, um, but it's what felt right in terms of how the book ended. Uh, I'm also going to say that for the people who say this is messed up, Darren's all locked up, he has never in in some ways been freer, at least in the context of the past few years when he was working at someone. has finally been given time to reflect on that whirlwind of a year. It was about a year and some change that everything happened in. That's a lot to happen in a year, right? Um, So it's finally given him some time to reflect. And he built an organization that is bigger than him. 
mm. and it thrives, which is a, which is a win. And Darren's also not going to be there forever. I'm not hinting at like a sequel or anything. I haven't even given it that much thought. But knowing Darren, knowing who he has behind him, two years sounds like a long time for him to have been there so far. I can't imagine him doing the whole eight-year bid. Yeah. Hopefully not. Hopefully. You know, but I was just like, my heart just ached. But I think that's why I love the book because it ended that way. But, you know, I, I have to stand in for the people that, also experienced that trauma so. yeah, yeah. No, I, I, re I respect it for sure let me ask what if you could have an alternate ending what would it be denny um i know i'm putting you on the spot i'm just curious no him not doing what he did for jason and maybe really help, helping jason in a different way really whoa veronica yeah <laughs> yeah yes. I, you might look like you disagree uh, no, don't throw me in this conversation. <laughs> yeah, hold on, hold on, like, hold on. Let's, let's actually let's actually put ourselves in this scenario. Your man's who you had beaten up and who you had played left and right, and who, of course, got on TV and told on you and said some stuff. He got beat up, and he's like, yo, please just do me this one solid. After everything that you've put me through for the most part, do me this one solid. Take this backpack. It ain't going to be a thing. You're not going to do that be, for your friend or your sister or whomever? No. Because I would be like, how much money do you need? Where can we find this money? There are other ways, brother. What do we need mm. to do? What do we need to do? Because I was like, you need you need to let this go. I'm sorry for my for what I did, for if I abandoned you, however you felt. It's both valid, but we're stuck in this position now. I can't let you go back there. Okay. So let's let's, let's yeah, that's valid. let me say that's valid though, Denny. That's valid because Darren could have had five or ten k that he could have given yes. Jason. Me. Yeah. Hey, that's valid. It's not a lot of money, but it's something. It's to start with something. <laughs> Veronica, what are your thoughts? Okay, let's go. Uh, well, for us <laughs> to be able to set up everything, so you know, like in your imagination, like how in debt was his mom? Like, like if you had to put a number on it. I don't know, 30, 40 K. That's a lot of money. Maybe 50. And with like, what, like possibly like losing their home. You well, know? well, what Jason's alluding to is that his mom got money from people who lend money to individuals like that outside of a bank. Right. right. So, you know, loan sharks or whatever you want to call them. Mm -hmm. These people aren't going to take your home away. Your they could take your life away. Right. Right. So knowing, I think having that, knowing that like that because that's like a, you know that's urgent because you don't know if that person's going to show up in the middle of the night and try to hurt his his mom so i can see him being like okay let me just do this one thing because like he said he done all of those things to him he put that man in the hospital True. like so like i i understood it you know it just it just sucks that it was like a setup from the end on the other on the other end but you know like i i understood it i mean i understood it too that's why we're here but you know <laughs> he wanted to ask what what was in my head so here we are no that's uh honestly danny that's really illuminating for me and, and i appreciate that because that never crossed my mind actually in terms of darren just being like yo bro i'll front you this money yeah, like when we can find something else, like we, we like, you know, the happy campers are here. Like Jason's been here. Like we can like race, like, I don't know. People... Happy campers has money as yes. well. At that point that's what well... they're generating. Yeah, that's yeah. Why I'm like, you know, I can loan this to you. Pay me whenever. Like this is like how I would repay you for being in the hospital. Like you can have. I think, I, I think where, where I would be in, in that place, and this, this is why I wrote it that way, is it would have been about more than the money yes. and just doing this act mm -hmm. or gesture and not hemming and hawing and trying to get out of it after everything. If I was in Darren's scenario, I wouldn't have tried to like get out of it by giving him money. I'd say that after everything, let me just go make this run. What What's the worst that could happen? Darren didn't think that anything bad could really happen. He wasn't sure, but he's like, whatever, you know, let me do this. If I were in that scenario, I also wouldn't have been thinking about Trey. Mm -hmm. It no. came out of nowhere. Yeah. I wouldn't have been thinking about Clyde. Clyde, how would Clyde and Jason be connected, even though Clyde was bugging out with uh, the White United Society of Salespeople? So I think that I would have thought that I was good, which is why it's 
for some people, a jaw-dropping moment. They're like, what? Yeah, I was that. I was one of those people, so. Sure. <laughs> but, like, I guess sure. in order for the story to have the ending that it needs to, I think it was necessary, because yeah. like you were saying, Most like, definitely. that karma has to come back to him some, some shape, way, or form. So if it wasn't that, it would have come to him in another end, or it would have been, like, this Maybe. ending. It would be like... Or maybe not. I mean, again, Darren's on the path to redemption. Like he's getting back to to old Darren and good parts of himself. So I'm not sure. But um, yeah, it's tough. I think that some people, when Trey first comes out or before Trey, Clyde is there, that they think that Jason set Darren up. I had some mm. people tell me they thought Jason set Darren up. You, Bronick, oh, you thought that? Yes. Because when he was like him and Han, I'm like, uh, (laughs) I was like, oh, please don't tell me like it was him. Like that's, you know. Oh, that's the mole, right? Yeah. Like, oh, please don't let it be him. That's what, that's what I initially thought. But, um, I think for me, one of the parts that, cause I, I mainly listen to the audio, Mm. um, and I think the part that struck me the most was when Brian Brian got left behind and that made me so sad (laughs) that made me so sad like I had to pull into a parking lot and just like can I just sit there I'm like oh no what happened to Brian what happened to Brian um this book (laughs) the emotional level the roller coaster is like Brian yeah I like Brian's character what do you think of when um Brian picked up that woman at the bar that was my. That was one of my other favorite parts. <laughs> That's one of my favorite parts. When he like turns, when he's like, when you say like, he turns around and he has that smile on his face. I was, I was like, like, yeah. <laughs> I love he that. He pounds part. his. He pounds, He says, "Can we do this every night?" Yeah. <laughs> yes, Brian. I love Brian. Um, on a side note, I know you know Soraya because I'm a nurse and I love I love what I do. But I'm like, when Soraya was like, I want to be a nurse, I'm like, girl, why you want to do that? You're going to be wiping asses the rest of your life, girlfriend. <laughs> but I was yeah, like, yeah, yeah. but I was just like, oh, look, look at Mateo mentioning the nurses. So oh, that's yeah. Shout out to uh, shout out to my ex and still close friend and my mother. Uh, again, that's uh, that was that was where some of the inspiration came from. That's what's up. So um, at the end of our show, we always like to do like a, a top five of questions. Um, so our first one would be uh, what, because when normally we ask people what their top five favorite books are of all time. But when we had Disha on, she kind of flipped it and I'm like, oh, I kind of like this. We can go. We can go that route. So we'll we'll let you choose which way you want to go. So okay. either you pick your top five favorite of all time and or uh, the top five books that you are excited about that's coming out that people need to know about. Okay. I know the favorites are, are a lot to the ask. first the first is harder than the second mm-hmm. I mean I'm gonna mix and match I'm gonna mix and match five okay. then okay that's okay yeah uh all right one of my all-time favorite books is a different drummer by William Melvin Kelly mm-hmm. um Americana by Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie um the spook who sat by the door. Oh, damn, I'm just getting into the first one. <laughs> I can't stop. Well, the Angry Ones more. by John A. Williams. Um, it's just, it goes on and on and on. There's just so many incredible books that I've read. I mean, all I have to do is crane or turn my my body around and I, <laughs> I see some of these um, books that really played a profound role home going by yeah jesse mm. um this is a guilty a guilty favorite by pimp but pimp by iceberg slim that's a guilty one oh, yeah. um just because of the depictions in there they are uh horrid but the voice it's like a, it's like a master class in voice man i'm gonna give you both ones that i'm excited about the other black girl by zakia delilah harris yes. um of women in salt by mm. gabrielle garcia um or hold up i'm i'm definitely pulling up the list yeah uh, uh, let me just correct myself yeah gabriella garcia she's 
She's the homie. Um, she's been a supporter. Um, her book's coming out. Yes, Daddy by Jonathan Parks Ramage. Mm-hmm. Then we got some. I'm just making sure that. I'm, yeah, there we go. By Jonathan Parks Ramage. Um, of course, The Prophets by Robert Jones Jr., which came out the same day as Black Buck. Um, yes. I think Paul Beatty might be coming out with a new book called Negro Sunshine this year. I'm not exactly sure. Um, the new Mbolo Mbwe, which was, mm. uh, we were, what is it? How Beautiful We how Were, beautiful, um, beautiful. Harlem Shuffle by Colson Whitehead. Yes, There's just sir. so many books yes, sir. There's that a are lot coming of books. in. And I know I'm not going to be able to read all of them, but yeah, those are, those are a lot of books. Now, in addition to your, your five top, uh, books, <laughs> Uh, and we just left like one of the livest uh, IG birthday parties not too long ago yeah. uh, for Akili. What and and there was a deep conversation about um, his he, his favorite hip hop. Hip hop. Yeah. So we want to know what because you were you were going in on that I list. Was in so, there. so what are your top five favorite MCs that you're like I just cannot do without? What? <laughs> yes, we're doing it today. Yes. Maybe seven, <laughs> give or take. <laughs> Black Thought, Joey Badass, J. Cole, Kendrick Lamar. And I know I'm saying like like people who are just like a lot of people who are well-known today. Um, it's all right. It's yours. Nas. Yes. That's five right there. I mean, it's tough. There's, there's so many new folks mm-hmm. who are out the last couple of years. J.I.D., um, Boogie, uh, Schoolboy Q, J-Rock, everyone from TDE. Again, I, I'm a big Meg Thee Stallion fan. Um, I like Drake. I'm down with Drake. Yay. We were having a big conversation about Yay right before <laughs> we had to hop off. Um, respect to old Kanye and, and things yes. that he put out in the past. And I hope that he can find his way back or, or, or become... Um, a healthier version. I don't want to say a better. It's not my place to say better mm-hmm, anyone, mm-hmm. but a healthier Kanye. Yes. Listen, it's very hard for me. As you could tell, I got into a space right now. It's very hard for me to say this <laughs> and come out with these people. I don't know. Well, I'm just going to leave it at that. Well, you you talked about how like you're, you're, when you sit down and get ready to write, you know, you have your waffle, you have your movie, you have your music, you have your tea. Yeah. Why is music so important to to you when you get ready to write? Mm. Um, subconsciously, it probably establishes a rhythm in my body and allows me to write with rhythm. That's important to me in terms of how does a sentence flow? Um, is it that, 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 or is it, you know, I'm trying to just like make it flow, sometimes get a little staccato, Mm -hmm. sometimes make it feel like a lot's going on at once, but rhythm for me is important. So I believe that music helps me establish that rhythm. Music opens me up just opens mm-hmm. me up in general, makes me creative, mm-hmm. just hearing other people and, and how they weave words to uh, a beat. The beat in and of itself mm-hmm. is art. Yes. Um, and the, <clears throat> the last thing I'll say is music, it's a tool for me. When I listen to a song, especially if I know this song well, I know the effect that's going to have on me. So I can listen to some music, get me ready, get me going. Some Meek Mill polo and shell tops. Let's go. <laughs> I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready to have my character work harder than anyone else to make mm. it. And then I might have some Snow Allegra or um, I'm going to mispronounce it. Shanae Harnett. I think mm. that's how you pronounce her name, but it's S-I-N-E-A-D with an accent over the E, I believe. I know that we're going to be talking about love and pain. Mm. Tiana Taylor, Rose in Harlem, a song about betrayal from people yeah. who are closest to you, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What, what does that come to mind in terms of Black Buck? When I think of Rose in Harlem, I think of Rhett mm-hmm. towards the end. Sometimes it's the people closest to you, yep, you know? Yep, yep. So for me, I have, I have these songs that are either, the, a lot of them are living inside me, so I just know what to play to open me up. Mm-hmm. But I also have to continue, uh, continually expand my own palette. That's why I watch two to three hours worth of music videos and sometimes mm-hmm. movie trailers to go with my tried and true, but also just to learn about new people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Tierra Wack is coming out with incredible 
uh, freestyles on her IG. That inspires me. I'm just I'm just looking for all and and every type of uh, creative inspiration out there. Was there a playlist for Black Buck? Like, is there? Yeah. Is it on title? You, know, you for, have a Spotify for your for your TV show. We need a playlist. <laughs> I like it. I like it. There you go. <laughs> Denny's crafty. The assumptive clothes. Um, no, it would but- be. On, People have been asking about a playlist. I got a playlist I'm putting together. It's funny. I did an event yesterday with a company and they were playing some music. I said, I, I like this music. Uh, these are some songs I listen to. They said, yeah, we know. We found the Black Buck playlist on, on Spotify. I said, that's not supposed to be public. That's not supposed to be unreleased. I'm in the process of building it. They're like, now nah, we found it. And so, yeah, it's, it's on Spotify, but it's incomplete. I'm I'm trying to work on it whenever I can. Right now, if I look at it, we got uh what? over we got over three hours worth of songs, but it's it's far Damn. from complete. Okay, what's do you do you remember what song number one is on the list? On oh on that playlist? Yeah. Oh, yes, no. Hustle and Motivate by Nipsey Hustle. Go. All you got to do, I believe, is type in Black Buck on Spotify, and the playlist might come come out. Okay. I'm not sure how it works. I never looked it up myself. Well, now I'm looking it up. There's yeah, a playlist. That would be like my, you know, go-to like work drive playlist. Like, <laughs> get ready. It's incomplete. And I think that it's not fully balanced. Mm. It might be a little bit too aggressive right now. I'm not sure. I got to revisit it. But when I found out that someone already knew about it, I felt like I got caught naked. <laughs> <laughs> you, you didn't, you should have had a, a secret name for your project and they wouldn't have been able to locate it. I know, and I think I can make it private, but I'm not gonna. If people find it right now, cool. I'll just be adding to it. It can be the Easter egg of you, like for someone to have hunted that down. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, before we get to our last question, we got a reader's. Question. Yes, we got a reader's question. Really? Um. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um. It's it's very cute. Why are you laughing? You made it up. No. 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 <laughs> You're laughing. You're like, I like promise you. She she's in the room with us right now, so we we didn't make it up. She, Jacqueline. She's, she it's Jacqueline. Yeah, Jacqueline is one of our 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 good friends, and she's also a patron. <laughs> hey, Jacqueline. And uh, you know what, Jacqueline? Why don't you go ahead? And we're we're going to um, add you, and you go ahead and unmute yourself and ask your your question yourself. <laughs> this is Dr. Jacqueline. Hi. So <laughs> I have a goofy question, but it it came up for me multiple times while I was reading your book. Finished your book last night. It was phenomenal. Couldn't Thank put you for it reading. Out. So my question is. Are Milk Duds your favorite candy? <laughs> no, they are not. <laughs> no, they're not. But uh, people, they, they uh, I think Buck describes the crowd, right? At Rise and Shine America as though they would be having Milk Duds watching this. No, nah, I don't know if I've ever had Milk Duds in my life. I just know that when you think about uh, the movies, especially back in the day, uh, I don't know what kind of candy they have now. And I know that movie theaters aren't really open in, in most places. But you would think of Milk Duds, Popcorn, Twizzlers, those were the types of snacks that my brothers and I were sneaking in in our pockets and our hats oh. when we'd go to the movies. But I was never one to actually have a milk dud. Oh, we need to get yeah. some. Milk there you go. Thank you, Jacqueline, for your thank for you, your Jacqueline. <laughs> so before before we end this um, wonderful conversation, um, if there's one thing you want to, we want people to take away from reading Black Buck, what would it be? Mm. Well, it depends on the reader. And you two might have heard this answer before um, because it seems like you've done your research and I'm very grateful for it. But, you know, for black and brown folk, you know, who have been in these environments um, where they are the only one or one of the few. Yes. And it doesn't always have to be the workplace. It could be uh, an institution of higher learning. Mm -hmm. It could be a sports team or religious organization. I want them to know that they're not crazy, right? Or paranoid or overly sensitive when they believe that something's amiss. Um, and for non-Black and Brown readers, I thank you for reading this book. And I want you to perform some uh, ruthless and honest self-examination and ask, who am I in this narrative of this book? Mm -hmm. Who am I in this narrative of this nation and world? And who, I am, who am I in this narrative of the fight for progress? for other people. 
Yeah. Well, we just want to say thank you so much for um, indulging us in this hour of talking about you, your life, and this, this wonderful book. And yeah. uh, we wish you much uh, luck and success for your success in the future. Yes. And, uh, we and can't re- wait to see what comes out next. I hope you write the pilot of this. Okay, please. We'll see. We'll see uh, what happens. I hope that it, that it actually reaches the screen. But thank you both for what you do, not just this conversation. I can't believe that an hour has already flown by, honestly. Like, an hour goes like this in, in good conversations, at least. Thank so thank, thank you for the work you do. Thank you for your time today. Thank you for reading Black Buck. And I hope that uh, this isn't one and done. I that hope we keep that. the conversation going. you can going. come back anytime, talk about whatever you want. Whatever you want. <laughs> whatever you Hit us want. up. I, ha- I have to air out some feelings. We're here for it. Hell yeah. I appreciate it. You want to bounce off some character names, some songs, whatever, whatever. I got you. I got you. Thank you so much. No problem. You you go and see if the party is still going. If not, we'll see you tomorrow night on on uh, Achilles IG Live. Take care. All right. Thank take you. care. Good Peace. night. Night. We hope you enjoyed our show. Follow us on Instagram at Vulgar Geniuses Book Club. Our theme song was produced by Sean Kantrowitz. Follow him on Instagram and Twitter at Sean Dammit. That's spelled S-E-A-N-D-A-M-M-I-T. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe to our podcast on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. See you next time. Deuces.